going to Genesis 1. <coughs> Genesis 1, verse 1. I don't know if you realize this or not, but this is the beginning of your Bible. This is the first page. These are the first words. Genesis 1, verses 1, 2, and 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And I just want to preach a message today with the help of the Lord entitled, God Hates Emptiness. God Hates Emptiness. Emptiness is the devil's playground. And God hates emptiness. It'll make more sense as we get into it. I want to say a prayer. Father, thank you so much for your word. I pray that you would speak to our hearts I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, God. Help me to speak your word. Help us to hear your word. Let it move beyond just our intellect and hit our spirits, our heart, Lord. And I give you praise for that right now in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Next Wednesday night, not this Wednesday night, but next Wednesday night, we begin a new series entitled Journey Through Genesis. I think we have a pick for that, Journey Through Genesis. We are wrapping up our Faith That Shakes, a study through the book of Acts. As you know, we went on a three and a half year journey through all the epistles. But we're about to embark on this journey through Genesis. I'm very excited about it. And we'll start with these verses that we read today. If Genesis is the book of beginnings, these verses are the beginnings of the beginnings. To understand the big story, the epic saga of the Bible, you have to dig into Genesis. Genesis is the soil out of which the rest of the Bible grows. It is the prologue. It provides essential details that makes the rest of the Bible make sense. In Genesis, we find answers to questions, causes to effects, reasons to realities, However, as we dig deep into Genesis, we find new answers to old questions. And when you find those answers, you also realize you're encountering new questions, deeper questions, and it's uh, on and on it goes. There's so much tucked away in the book of Genesis. Here's something that helped me in my studying of the book of Genesis. Genesis is not intended to be a scientific book. Filled with scientific facts, trying to give us scientific explanations. Rather, the Bible is a revelation. It's a revelation from God, about God, about creation, the physical, the metaphysical, man, angels, the devil, sin, redemption. And that revelation contained in the Bible begins in Genesis. It is the book of beginnings. And the opening volley is just packed with so much truth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There it is. It just assumes God is, always has been, always will be. It's just so powerful. He's the beginner behind the beginning. He's the creator behind creation, the originator behind origination, 
the intelligence behind design. And we're told He created everything with words. That's how powerful He is, and that's how He does it. Hebrews 11.3 says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. He said, Let there be. And there was. It's just that simple and that profound and that powerful. He created everything decently and in order. Isaiah 45, 18 says, For thus says the Lord, who created the heavens, who is God, who formed the earth and made it, who has established it, who did not create it, in vain, who formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, he says, and there is no other. In the Hebrew, vain or void is the word tohu. Tohu. It means emptiness, vacuous, void. God says, I did not create the earth in vain, in tohu. In emptiness, in a vacuum, void. But by the second verse of the Bible, Genesis 1-2, we find the earth without form and void. And that's the same Hebrew word, tohu. So originally the earth was filled and not empty. Upon further examination of Scripture one begins to understand something happened between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. Now, this is a deep thought. There's a lot more that can be said about this. We cannot cover this today. Come back for our journey through Genesis. We'll hit a little bit more of it. But because of what happened between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2, the world that God created unvoid became void. It went from being full or filled or correct to being empty, void, something's wrong. Isaiah 14, 12 speaks of a cataclysmic event that could have been the event, I believe it was, that took place. How you are fallen from the heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut to the ground, you who weaken the nations. And on through the rest of the chapter it goes. Ezekiel 28, 14 through 17 adds to this story of the demise of Lucifer. It says, verse 14, You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within, and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings that they might gaze at you. And he adds and goes on. Jesus said in Luke ten eighteen, I beheld Satan fall like Lightning. Lucifer was cast to the earth and cast from his place of prominence. It was the first fall. 
Adam was not the first fall. Lucifer was. And there was an emptiness that followed his fall on God's creation. Again, we'll deal more with this in the Journey Through Genesis series on Wednesday nights. But what God did next is what blows my mind, and it is the focus of today's thought. So let me just say this right now. It's the title of the message, God Hates Emptiness. God is all about filling empty places, filling empty spaces, filling voids. He is the God who is more than enough, right? He is the God of life and life more abundantly, right? He is the God who anoints my head with oil and my cup runneth over, the psalmist said. He is the God who fills the desert with mighty rivers and streams. He is the God who fills the temple with His mighty presence. He's the God who fills us with the Holy Ghost and fire. And He's the God whose glory will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. God hates emptiness. I said God hates emptiness. Say that with me. God hates emptiness. And we see it from the beginning of the beginning. Genesis 1-2. As soon as the emptiness was found, God began to act. And here's the first thing that He did. And it's amazing to be. The first thing He did is this. The Holy Spirit moved on the emptiness. The Holy Ghost began to move over all of that emptiness. The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Amazing language. Can I tell you that although God hates emptiness, He ain't afraid of it. He's not freaking out over the damage done, the destruction brought about because of the pride and rebellion of one of His top-ranking angels. Lucifer was one of three biggies. You had Michael, you had Gabriel, and you had Lucifer. Michael was a warring angel. We see him throughout Scripture. Gabriel was a speaking angel, always giving messages. And Lucifer, well, you study that passage in Ezekiel 28. And that one in Isaiah 14, he was beautiful. He was musical. I always tell our music department, if you're going to have trouble in a church, it's going to be in your music department because the devil is a musician, right? Yeah, that's quiet in here today. I want to get up here in your business. Yeah, you're going to have trouble in your music department because the devil's a musician, knows how to tweak music people and work on our egos. I am a music person. I understand that. But, but the devil was very musical and very beautiful. And one of the top three, he was an archangel. He was an archangel. I used to watch a TV show called Airwolf. Did anybody watch Airwolf back in the day? It was a helicopter pilot, Josh. Oh, my goodness, Airwolf was amazing. And his boss wore a white suit and sunglasses, and his name was Archangel. Archangel was the man. I'm above some of you right now, but some of you, I'm hitting you right here. And you're about to tear up right now thinking about it. I should have shown a picture of it. But there were three archangels in the Bible, and Lucifer was one of them. And God loses one of his most high-ranking, maybe the highest-ranking angel in that authority structure. He loses that one, and there is emptiness that transpires as a result of it. Lucifer was the cream of the crop, the cream de la cream. And, and, and 
and he falls and there's destruction. But the Holy Spirit begins to brood and hover over the damage done. Can I give you some application with that right now? Sin is destructive. There is a high price to pay for it. Collateral damage. A once full life can quickly become empty when sin enters the picture. There's a high price to be paid when our pride and arrogance gets a hold of us. There's a high price to be paid for disobedience to the word and rebellion against God. The consequences of sin can be devastating. Paul said in Romans, the wages of sin is what? Death. But hear me. God hates the emptiness in our lives, but He ain't afraid of it. Those wasted places in our lives, that pride and rebellion that burned so many bridges, those burned over places, those empty spaces, there where there seems to be no hope for a new beginning, God is not afraid of that. And the Holy Spirit will begin to move. He specializes in that stuff. He's been there, done that from the very beginning, and He knows how to flow in those empty places and bring about change. Amen? He knows how to do it. He knows. Here at Light Point, we talk a lot about the flow. Wednesday night was crazy amazing. If you were here Wednesday night, let me see your hand. Like it was, it was amazing. Like it was, it, we had the unnamed missionary from unnamed parts of the world. It was funny. We, we, we pixelized his face on our post, you know, like we can't name him. It's dangerous, but his last name is Born. His first name is Jason, right? It was just, it was hilarious. You know, we couldn't name him. He was from parts unknown. We can't mention him. Can't put him on the podcast. We won't mention his name. And I understand that. I'm having some fun, but I totally get it. Like, if I was over there, I, I totally get it. But, man, before he even got up, the worship exploded. It was just crazy. The presence of God was moving. Uh, old Cindy's down here just, man, God was uh, blowing up the place. And, and what was that? Was that... Was that not decent and in order? Actually, it, it was more decent and in order than we could have structured it because it was according to the order of the Holy Spirit. God was structuring that. And we believe in a flow around here. I get sick sometimes of our scheduling and our programming and our 30 minutes this. And, our, and, and listen, I don't want to waste your time. Don't get me wrong. You come into a church that I want to get out of here as fast as you want to get out of here. I'm hungry, you're hungry. I'm not eating breakfast back there right before church starts, so I'm like good and full, and we can go till 2 o'clock. I'm not that guy. I never eat on Sunday morning. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to get in here and get out. I hate dead space. I hate rambling announcements. I hate it when, like, there's three or four, five, six, seven, eight, ten people, young preachers, whatever, getting up, and they're like, and, well, and the Lord spoke to me this week, and I was reading in the Bible, and, and it's like, you know, an hour and a half later, the preacher gets, I'm not about that, right? I'm not about that. But on the other hand, sometimes I get sick of our programming. Well, I, you know, we'll, we'll cut other churches down. We're like, well, you know, the, those, those churches are so cut and dry. You're in, you know it's going to be one hour on the dot. And you know what? We'll do the same thing. When I, if you were to look at our agenda, you would see three minutes here, two minutes here. Like, we got it scheduled out. It's about an hour and 15, okay? That's, that's kind of our, what we shoot for. But on the other hand, I want to flow with God's Spirit because my life gets more complicated 
than, than a 30 minute or a 40 minute or an hour and 15 minute service. Sometimes I need God to just sweep in this place and erase my agenda and just begin to flow and minister. And you need that too. There are people in this house that have empty places that the Holy Spirit wants to interrupt our agenda and flow as only he can do and just break in on us and begin to hover over those empty places. It's all about a flow of the Spirit, not a show, but a flow. And we don't want to write off the Holy Spirit. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit working. We believe in His mighty power toward us who believe flowing in this house. We And, and let me say this, because of that, we believe that God does flow over empty spaces and empty places. We need to fill this house with people full of emptiness. That's an oxymoron to say it that way. People who are filled with a vacuum, with an emptiness, with burned over fields and brokenness. And I'll tell you why. Because if we'll fill this house up with empty people, God's Holy Spirit will flow in this house like you can't even imagine. He hates emptiness, but he's sure not afraid of it. We need some empty people in these doors. Because there's emptiness in the house, he moves by his Spirit. Cindy, there was an emptiness there. She's at a funeral today. There was an emptiness there, and the Holy Spirit began to hover. He's not afraid of emptiness. He moves on emptiness. And I don't care if the devil is all up in those empty spaces and places. You realize in Genesis 1, the devil was cast, was restricted, was placed here, was all over this earth. This was an infested with demons piece of real estate and the Holy Spirit starts flowing. (laughs) Who cares if there's a devil? Who cares if there's all these demons? God ain't afraid of the devil. God ain't afraid of demons. God's not afraid of emptiness. I love it. The Holy Spirit began to flow. But that's not all that happened because we see that then God began to speak. The second thing that he does is he speaks to emptiness. And God said, let there be light. He speaks. And when you get the moving of the Holy Spirit and the word of God being spoken, I'm telling you, that will change any empty situation into a full situation. He began to call structure and order out of this chaos. The Spirit moved on the scene and then began to speak. And the Word spoken where His Spirit is moving will transform any situation. His Word moving with His Spirit begins to fill empty spaces. Psalm 107.20 says, He sent His Word and healed them of all their diseases. Never underestimate the power of the word spoken as the Spirit moves to take you from emptiness to fullness. When you come to church and you hear the word on a regular basis, when you pray the word when no one is watching, when you sing the word as the Spirit moves on you, there is something powerful taking place behind the scenes in the realm of the unseen that will eventually manifest itself and change the things that are seen. Never underestimate the power of going to church, of speaking the word, of praying the word as the Spirit moves on you. 
to the naked eye. You could have looked at the world in Genesis 1-2. And you would have never seen the potential. You would have seen a 25,000 mile in circumference bowl of mud. Just emptiness, chaos, flooding, and the devil. Some of you feel like the devil was in the flood in August. I think he was. <laughs> he seemed to be all up in them floodwaters. I'll never forget, we were out helping some people. And I took some boys out right at the beginning of the flood. And Aaron didn't have any mud boots. Aaron's from Sarepta, right? He's a country boy. So what did he do? He just kicked off his shoes, took his socks off, went barefooted. Cut his foot, got it in the mud waters. The next thing he knows, he's at urgent care. You know why? Because the devil is in them waters, right? And urgent care is giving him meds, and he's trying. He's just hoping they didn't chop his foot off, right? Because the flood. Well, if you'd have looked at the earth in Genesis one and two, you'd have seen there's emptiness. There's a big mud ball here. There's the devil. It reminds me of the the prologue of the Gospel of John. Those first verses, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. He was in the beginning, all things were made through Him, and without Him was nothing made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shined in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. The NIV says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The NLT, New Living, says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God is not afraid of emptiness. He'll move on it, and there's nothing the emptiness can do when He starts speaking. Nothing that can stop the Word of God. There's nothing more powerful than the Spirit of God and the Word of God moving on an empty man or an empty woman or an empty situation because it's going to change when that takes place. There's a change that's going to take place when that starts happening. I love it. I love it when I see people at church that are like cold and stiff and they're not going to get involved and they're like rebellious. They're just like hard in their hearts and I'm not going to move. I'm not going to move. I'm not going to move. These are, I don't like these people. I've been that guy so I can pick on you. I, I've been that guy. I'm not going to move. I'm not going to move. I'm not going to bend. I'm not going to shake. I can't, you know, this is not my thing. This is not my thing. What am I doing here? What am I doing here? I can't believe I came here. I can't believe I came here. And they're resisting. But then eventually they start loosening up like they think about something. There's a butterfly. They think about the butterfly. And then the next thing you know, they kind of loosen up. And the next thing I see is they're kind of clapping their hands or tapping their toe to the music. And I'm like, it's on. You know, it's on right there. It's on. We just need that tiny little open door because those empty spaces, the Spirit of God is moving over it. The Word of God's being spoken. And if you don't watch out, He'll change everything about you. Give Him some praise. Can you do it? Has that been you before? <laughs> Emptiness. Emptiness. If you were to look at that mud ball called earth, darkness, chaos, devil, you'd have never seen oak trees, azalea bushes, knockout roses, blackberry bushes, blueberry bushes, sweet olives trees, pecan trees, lettuce Whatever, I'm not crazy about lettuce. Tomatoes. Oh, okra. Ooh. 
Did y'all feel that when I said it? Palm trees, coconuts, orange trees, strawberry plants, buttercups, sunflowers. You never would have seen the Rocky Mountains in all their majesty. Or the Smoky Mountains, those beautiful peaks. The islands of Hawaii. The beauty of Alaska. Mount Kilimanjaro. Mount Everest. Pikes Peak. You wouldn't have seen the iron and the ore and the copper and the magnesium and the sulfur and the silver and gold that was in the earth. You wouldn't have seen what could have been made of those things. The rails, the beams, the skyscrapers, the automobiles, the airplanes, the spaceships, the ocean liners, the air conditioning, the heating, the technology. It was all there in the midst of the chaos. It was just below the surface. You couldn't see it. It was in the emptiness. It just needed to be moved on by the Spirit and called out by the Word. I'm telling you, in your emptiness, young man, in your emptiness, young lady, in your emptiness, sir, in your emptiness, ma'am, in that chaos, in that darkness, there is so much possibility that is just waiting to be called out of you. You think that this is all there is to life, And I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit has a word for you. And that word is, there is more in you than what you've seen so far. There's an emptiness there that God is wanting to pull some stuff out of that would blow your mind if you could only get a glimpse. Getting under the influence of the Spirit and the Word. You can watch what happens as you do it. And it'll be revolutionary. Because God hates emptiness. But he's not afraid of it. Amen. There's so much that God wants to do. Now here's a little side note. Here's a little food for thought. There is an emptying that God does like. One of which he does approve. Hebrews 12 puts it like this. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. Empty yourself of the weight. And of the sin. Second Corinthians 7 says, Cleanse yourselves of all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting the holiness and the fear of the Lord. We believe in emptying ourselves of the bad stuff, emptying ourselves of sin, things that are not pleasing to God, bad attitudes. Galatians 5 gives us a few more. The works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Of which I tell you beforehand, he says, just as I told you in time past, and those who who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So it's an emptying ourselves of the works of the flesh. But I just want to say this to this wonderful church we call LifePoint. It's not enough just to empty yourself of the works of the flesh. It's not enough to just empty yourselves of things that you need to let go of. We're supposed to be filled with some things and led by the Spirit. Jesus told this story. It's interesting. In the book of Matthew, verse 12, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, 
This is an emptying of an unclean spirit. He goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. Then he says, I'll return to my house from which I came, the man. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of this man is worse than the first. So shall it be with this wicked generation. In other words, it's not enough for us to get rid of some bad stuff. we got to be filled with some good stuff. That's what Paul said in Ephesians 5.18. Don't be drunk with wine. Wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. You see that? Don't drink, but be filled with the Spirit, not the spirits from the club, but be filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. It's not enough that we don't party. It's not enough that we don't smoke dope. It's not enough that we don't sleep around. We're supposed to be filled with the Spirit, filled with the things of God, filled with the Word of God, really, truly pursuing a relationship with God. It's not enough to just kind of live a decent life. I need to be a worshiper. I need to be a prayer. I need to be plugged in. i got to find my place, and i got to do what God's called me to do. It's not enough just to not do the bad stuff, but you need to do the good stuff. I know there's some good people in this room, and you do some good stuff, and you don't do some bad things. But I want to challenge you today. Whatever you've quit doing, hallelujah, I give you an applause for that right now. But instead of just not doing some things, why don't you start doing some things that we know from the Word God's called you to do, right? Be filled with the Spirit. Give God your worship and your praise. Be faithful in your giving and your tithes and offerings. Don't just not do stuff, but do the right stuff that God wants you to do. Be filled with the stuff that God has for you. Don't let that old evil spirit come back and find your house empty. Have it filled up with God's stuff where there just ain't no room anymore. Amen? And when that old voice comes calling, you can say, I ain't got time for you. I'm filled up. I'm a busy man. I got things to do. I'm going to the house of God. I'm bringing my family. I'm going to walk up to that front and raise my hands and give God the praise. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I'm not just going to sit there like a bump on a log and be a good man, but I'm going to be filled with the things of God and do and be a God's man. Amen. Hallelujah. So there's some emptiness that God does like, but You see what I'm saying? There's an emptying, but then a refilling, a filling with other things. God is not afraid. He's not afraid of your emptiness. I love this. Psalm 51, David's psalm. This is his song and his prayer. David, you know, the giant slayer, the shepherd boy who became the king. I love the story of David, man. He is one of my heroes. Just incredible, incredible. Kills Goliath. I mean, kills a bear, kills a lion when no one is watching, kills Goliath on this biggest stage of all time. We still talk about it today. It's incredible. David was incredible. And he's the king, and he's powerful. But at his zenith, at the height of his power, David makes some mistakes, 
he, 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 his arrogance and his pride brings him to a place of emptiness with Bathsheba and with Uriah on the heels of losing so much. There was so much emptiness because of the sin of adultery and murder that David willingly plotted to do, plotted against God, rebelled against God, and, and, and for, with forethought did these evil things. He lost so much, and on the heels of it, we have Psalm 51, which is his, his prayer and his song after the worst sins of his life. You're talking about an empty man. You're talking about uh, losing so much. Even the child of his adultery died at birth. It was a nightmare season of failure for David. But he wrote, he sang in Psalm 51, verses 7 through 15. I'm going to read it from the message. Soak me in your laundry, Lord. In other words, I'm filthy. But I'll come out clean. Scrub me. And I'll have a snow white life. Tune me in. To foot tapping songs. Again. Set these once broken bones. To dancing. Don't look too close for blemishes. Give me a clean bill of health. God make a fresh start in me. Listen to this. Shape. A Genesis week from the chaos of my life. Don't throw me out with the trash or fail to breathe holiness in me. Bring me back from gray exile. Put a fresh wind in my sails. Can I tell you that no matter how far you've fallen and know how dirty you've gotten... I know a God who knows how to clean you up and give you a fresh start and take those empty spaces and say, let there be and there's light. Let there be and there's a new beginning. Let there be. And he starts calling things out and the Holy Spirit's moving and he can change you and bring life out of emptiness. Amen. Stand with me right now. He's able to do that. Let me say this. God hates an empty church. At my house, I have a collection of photographs on the wall going up my stairwell called the Dead Church Series. It's pretty cool, pretty amazing. But it's also very depressing. It's interesting. I've got some pics I'll show you right now of some amazing facilities that are not even used anymore. Empty. Churches, house of God. Those designs designed to make you look up and acknowledge the glory of God. Look at that. Just awesome. Millions of dollars. Just empty. Empty. God hates empty Churches. Jesus had ministered. He came into his temple. The Bible says the zeal of the Lord hath eaten him up. And he came suddenly to his temple. The temple in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago was his. He had the title deed to it. He was the God of that house. He was the king of that castle. 
And that temple complex was amazing. He walked up into it. And as full as it was, it was empty. All kind of wrong motives. All kind of politics. Religious activity. Thievery. Corruption. He starts kicking over tables. He sat down, took the time, and braided a whip. This is our kind and peaceful and meek Jesus, the Lamb of God. He makes a he takes the time to build a whip. He was a carpenter. Anytime the word is used of Jesus as being a carpenter, he's considered a master carpenter. He was an expert and he fashions a whip. He knew how to do it. He builds this whip. And then he came into his house. Kicks over the money changers. Starts yelling and screaming. Meek and mild Jesus, right? We, we want it to be like this. He's going, stop it, you. I command thee to stop. Snap. Stop it. Oh, quit. I adjure thee by heaven. Stop. I don't know what you expect. Like I'm just, He's so meek and mild and tender. That's not the way he did it. He comes busting in. He's screaming, right? You've made my house a den of thieves. Get out of here. Chapow. That's what it's like. Chapow's the word, right? Chapow. Oh, God, what, what, what are you doing? Get out of my house. You've corrupted it. This is supposed to be a house of prayer for all nations, for all people, for all ethnicities, for all people that come to this place. And you've turned it into a house of these. And he's whipping people and screaming and hollering. And he's cleansing the temple. It was supposed to be filled with prayer. Emptied of the other stuff, but filled with prayer. Filled with the power of God. Filled with the Lord of the house. But eventually, they didn't like that. They killed the Lord of the house. And on his way to the crucifixion, right before it, Jesus looks down at that same temple, and he wept. And he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Oh, I wanted to gather you as a chick under its mother's wings and give you protection and feed you and fill you. But oh, you didn't want that. He said, behold, your house is left unto you empty, desolate, empty. You want to have church without me? You can have it, but in the eyes of heaven, no matter how many people are in the house, it's empty. There's too many dead, empty churches, I'll say it, in our parishes, our cities, our state our nations, and in our world. And I am bound and determined that LifePoint will not be one of those churches. Whatever we have to do, he has to increase and we have to decrease. I want this to be a house of prayer, a house of the Lord, a house filled with his glory. And empty people can come and empty people can be filled. Not with my intellect and my emotion and not my energy and not yours and our volunteers and our teams, but with the 
power of God and with the word of God that hovers and cleanses and speaks and calls things out. And this becomes a church of the living God. Don't you know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit and God dwells in you. I want people to walk in that are empty and fall to their knees and say, God is in this house of a truth. The secrets of my soul have been revealed to me because of the spirit of God in this house. Amen.